I'm Kate Daniels. Ancestral health. It's likely a term you've not heard or hear rarely. Get ready to learn as much as we can fit into a half hour with Nora Gidgaudis, a highly experienced and sought-after nutritional consultant. She's also an author, and her latest book is Primal Fat Burner. Daryl Edwards is a movement coach, natural lifestyle educator, and nutritionist. Daryl's also an author. They will both participate in the Ancestral Health Symposium 2017 that's happening here in the Puget Sound area. So easy for us to access and potentially take some major steps in our own good health. So let's first meet Nora Gidgaudis and get an overview. Nora Gidgaudis, good morning and thank you so greatly for being with us once again. Oh, okay. Thank, thank you so much. It's great to be talking to you again. And we are continuing to talk about good health from uh, your perspective being good nutritional health. And uh, let's mention right at the outset that uh, earlier this year we talked about your new book, Primal Fat Burner, and that's been really going uh, gangbusters, I would say, right? Yeah, it's doing really well. And, um, you know, and, and it seems to be picking up speed. Usually what happens with books is they have a big flame at the beginning and then they kind of go out, right? But what's happening, and this happened with Primal Body, Primal Mind as well, is that it started out with, with a certain amount of interest and then it just keeps growing. So, you know, it's, it's been great. Wonderful. It's got a lot of international attention as well because it's been published throughout the UK as well. And it's now being translated into Chinese. So, oh, now that's, yeah. a, that's a huge market, of course. Yeah, that'll be a slightly larger market, I think. And it just shows how there is this real basic interest in good nutrition. We really are finding out, oh, no surprise, nutrition has a lot to do with how healthy our bodies are going to be. All that fuel right. has to be and right. good. And I think the other thing that, that people realize is that what they've been taught about what eating healthy is all about for the last several decades isn't what is actually true. In so many cases, the opposite is true. Right. Um, and, you know, I think the, the whole Paleolithic framework, the idea of, look, you know, we evolved a certain way over the last, you know, three to five million years or so, you know, uh, from, from an early, just an primate species into a hominid species. And we had certain kinds of foods that were available to us for all that time. And doesn't it make sense that those very foods that we have, would have most consistently had access to as a species would have helped to shape our, literally the way our bodies work, shape our physiological makeup, shape our most basic nutritional requirements. And, you know, so eating in alignment with our evolutionary and genetic heritage just makes common sense to the majority of people that start to really kind of look at this. And so when you look at it from its pure foundational framework in that way, it's pretty hard to argue with that, even though critics try. But really, it's the only rational starting place any of us have. And what this equals is called ancestral health, correct? Right, which was a wonderful catch-all term because, you know, when you talk about paleo, you're technically referring to the time period from about three and a half million years ago up to about 10,000 years ago. But, you know, since in the last 10,000 years, there have been a number of Neolithic cultures that have also, you know, consumed traditional diet. And we've been able to study some of those cultures, even though the climate changed a lot 
from 10,000 years ago, I mean, about 11,600 years ago. The climate just abruptly changed and our food supply totally changed and you know, whatever. But we do have these other examples of basically wild humans and, you know, thriving health-wise all over the world. And also there are more kind of pastoral traditional cultures as well. You know, those that you know, started growing some of their own food, started uh, raising some of their own food and living you know, kind of an isolation away from westernized society and the westernized food supply. And we can draw from studies that have been done about those cultures as well. So ancestral is a catch-all term. What's wonderful about the Ancestral Health Society is that, and, and why I'm so proud to have been a founding member of that organization, it's really geared toward good science. It's geared toward bringing some fine minds together in a symposium kind of format to really talk about evidence-based information that can make a practical impact. In other words, the Ancestral Health Society Symposium that's happening uh, September 7th through 9th at the University of Washington, it's not this big, okay, all the marketers are coming, <laughs> you know, and they're all going to be pitching their products and their books and their newfangled, you know, snack foods with cavemen stamped on the label and stuff like that. That's not what this is about. It's really about the nitty-gritty of, of what makes us human, what makes how adopting various aspects of an ancestrally-oriented dietary approach, how that impacts the health of people that adopt it, and on all different levels. And, and people come and they talk about, you know, aspect, and I've done this, you know, talk about the brain or, or various associated health conditions and things like that. My talk this year will be about how you know, dietary fat basically, you know, gave us the big brains that we have and uh, all of the evidence to suggest that dietary fat was actually responsible for making us human in the first place. So I'm eager to be presenting on, on that particular topic. I understand there's probably close to around 70 presenters. Mm -hmm. Which... Yeah, it, it's a big event and it's a really interesting event. And I do a lot of different paleo events and I've been at this now since... And I guess 2011 was the very first Ancestral Health Society Symposium. Prior to that, there was no such thing as a paleo movement. So this really kind of launched it. But it's never been a commercial enterprise, right? It's nonprofit. It's geared toward, we want to do this for humanity, right? And so that's, I think, why everybody should come rushing out and support this. Because, I mean, th there's some other really great paleo events. I certainly don't want to disparage, you know, paleo effects or some of the other ones. But Ancestral Health Society Symposium really stands alone as a, we are doing this for the right thing for the right reasons. And they're very careful about the speakers that they select to do this because they want to be sure that who is ever speaking. And every year there are thousands of people vying to get a speaking spot. And I, I know I've managed to get one every single year. Because one year I couldn't make it because of a sick family member. But every single year, you know, and this is at wonderful universities. The first one was at UCLA, and then we did Harvard, and then we've done Berkeley, and University of Colorado in, in Boulder, and, and on and on. It, you know, it's an impressive lineup of institutions that have allowed us to hold this symposium. But it's not like it's all stuff over people's heads. I think there's something for everyone there. And there's a good vendor area, too, which is always fun. I like hanging out and <laughs> see. You know, there are some different supplement companies and different people doing different things. And again, they're selective about vendors, too. And so it's a unique event, and uh, it's really cool, especially that it's happening in the Pacific Northwest this time around. 
I'm happy for that. I don't have to travel cross country to go. To have it here where, you know, there already is an interest in health and fitness here. This, I feel, is going to really underscore all that interest and give you an opportunity to delve more deeply into it and really find some other, perhaps, things that you had not been aware of in the past. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, When you have a receptive audience, and really, you know, the Pacific Northwest is in some ways, I know Portland is like major late ground zero for the paleo movement. So there'll be tons of people coming up from Portland, I'm sure. It's going to be an enthusiastic crowd. And it's going to be, of course, I mean, really, is there any place more beautiful than the Pacific Northwest? I don't think so. No. (laughs) Um, Especially in the summer. In the winter, okay, we can argue all kinds of things. But I'm telling you, it's gorgeous. And so all of this stuff is really going to make this particular Ancestral Health Society symposium, I think, an especially fun and uh, rewarding event for everybody. And there are three days, but you can choose just one if it doesn't work for you to attend all. But all you have to do is really go to the website and register, correct? That's correct. That's all you got to do. And um, it's a very cozy kind of atmosphere. It's, even though there are a lot of presenters and stuff like that, it just feels a little like old home week in a way. It's, I think a lot of people who attend feel like they're more on the inside of things. It's not this like massive, like you're in a city, <laughs> you know, of, of just craziness. You know, you come in and, you know, you can go from talk to talk. There are multiple tracks happening. You can always find something that's really interesting to listen to. I certainly hope people will attend my talk. It's actually called Primal Fathead, (laughs) the central role of dietary fat and forging the human brain. So I always try to make my talks really interesting. And so far, I think I've mostly succeeded with that. So I really would love to see some of your listeners there. Absolutely. And meet them. It's going to be so informative. It's going to really give us a boost, regardless of what level we might be at, regardless of whether we're just kind of venturing into this, or I think even if we've uh, been practicing this lifestyle for a number of years, there's always something new to learn, isn't there? Always. Never ending, never ending. My favorite thing to do is to learn new information. I am constantly digging I mostly now read peer-reviewed papers as opposed to other people's books. I want to make sure that what I'm getting is pure information and not somebody's angle on things from, you know, because they're marketing some idea or some version of something. I really, really want to be careful about my facts. And, you know, as time goes on, I'm increasingly careful about all that. But there's an avalanche of new research coming out on all different areas that are potentially associated with this genre. And, you know, it's not just one thing. It is a whole myriad of topics that have the potential to be covered, not just about caveman diets, you know. And so it's all about things, these, the most foundational aspects of our health and well-being and the most foundational and functional ways to approach that to naturally remediate whatever might happen to be imbalanced. And actually, that's why I guess, convenient segue, but why I call my weekly educational program Primal Restoration, because it truly is about restoring your primal birthright in an enormous range of areas. I actually think we live in a much more hostile world today with respect to our health than anything our prehistoric ancestors ever had to put up with. You know, what they put up with was, you know, was bad weather and and vicious animals and, you know, and and struggling against, you know, you know, finding enough to eat and whatever else. 
what we most of the threats we face today are invisible, right? It's it's toxicity in our air, water, food, um, in in the electromagnetic atmosphere around us, right? EMF pollution, it's radiation contamination, it's it's all kinds of things that are impinging on us from all sides in the way we can't readily see. So people tend to adopt a, a sense of complacency about that because today we live in climate-controlled environments where it's always 72 degrees, even when it's 40 below outside in February in Minnesota. We're not really living in that same environment anymore, so we think we've got it made. And I think of us a little bit is, you know, we're sitting like frogs, boiling frogs in a big pot of water, slow boil, right? It's coming, everything's coming up to a slow boil, and we're sitting there oblivious to our circumstances when we think we're sitting in a hot tub in Vegas somewhere. So the more aware we are of these principles and of the things that we're meant to be and meant to do, you know, the greater our resilience against an increasingly kind of hostile environment and food supply. And, you know, the politics are not getting better either. And I'm not taking on a political party, but I'm talking about the laws that govern things are increasingly being written for the multinational corporations that pay the lobbyists to pass these laws. And we are at a major and increasingly major disadvantage. So the sooner we all wake up, the better the odds are of an actual future for health for ourselves and children. And that's the gift here that we can give ourselves on this weekend coming up in September 7th to the 9th, right? Yes. Yeah, the health of our future lies in our dietary past. And so I think that making this a priority, whether it's a day or all three days at the University of Washington, it couldn't be any easier for us having it here really essentially in our backyard to attend and be there. Right, Nora? Absolutely. So I do thank you for taking this time to give us an overview, an important overview, Nora, and uh, looking forward to the Ancestral Health Symposium next month. Me too. Me too. I look forward to seeing everybody there. Hope to meet some of you. Great. So this is really a great segue to meet Daryl Edwards, who has a compelling story about his life, his poor health, and then his decisions on what he needed to do. I feel many of us may relate to at least some part, if not all, of his story. Daryl Edwards, good morning, and thank you so greatly for joining us this morning. Thanks so much for the invitation. It is really important for us to have this conversation with you because in regards to the Ancestral Health Symposium coming up, we've got some of the details of that, but you have a very specific story. And I think that there may be a lot of people who can relate to that and really then make a decision as to what they want to do about their own life and health. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, my story probably starts uh, when I was working within, within a corporate environment highly stressed, you know, working really hard, not getting much sleep at night, eating at my desk, pretty poor diet. And I was fortunate enough to have annual health checks, pretty comprehensive checks. And one year I was told that I was pretty much not doing too well. Um, You know, I was pre-diabetic. I was suffering from very high blood pressure. I was anemic. I was suffering regularly from low back pain, chronic low back pain. And I had elevated risk of cardiovascular disease. So when I asked what I could do to rectify this, I was told, you know, we can give you some medication to lower your blood pressure. We can give you medication to control your blood glucose. We can give you pain relief for your back. 
Um, we can give you some supplementation for your anemia. And when I asked about the side effects um, and my concerns, I was told, well, unfortunately, you have to take these meds for the rest of your life. And if we do encounter any side effects, we'll give you something else to take. So I was just alarmed being relatively young, being faced with a lifetime dependency on prescription drugs. So when I inquired about could lifestyle help at all, you know, it was just kind of dismissed out of hand. This is your genetics. There isn't really much you can do about this apart from take the meds. Fortunately, I ignored their advice and I embarked on a lifestyle regimen, changed my diet, changed my lifestyle based on ancestral principles. And within three months, I uh, reversed all of those ailments. So my blood pressure became optimal. I was no longer had problems with my cholesterol. So my cardiovascular risk profile improved. I was no longer anemic. I stopped having uh, struggles with low back pain. And it was all down to a change in lifestyle. I didn't take any, any meds. So it was a remarkable transformation for me. And I've been able to maintain that health state now for over 15 years. That is just tremendous. And as you were telling the story, I was thinking, what a wise man to know, to ask the question about lifestyle. Not everyone would necessarily ask that. Had there been something going on in your life to really prompt you to do that? Well, I suppose it was, I'd always been aware of some sort of link between diet and physical activity and health but I wasn't sure what I should be doing. And when you're told that the only option available to you is lots of medication, and we're not really sure how you're gonna deal with this in the long term, you know, I, I just had a lot of fear and concern. And when I asked a question about lifestyle, it was kind of just dismissed. So that in itself, that dismissal made me decide to investigate a little bit further. And I had a book on my shelf, kind of a shelf help book, because I bought it and just put it on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. and, and it spoke about a diet uh, or the diets that humans um, were evolved to eat. Humans were designed to eat. Humans were created to eat. And about going back to basics. And that, that resonated with me. And I was like, I'm not sure if I am a modern-day caveman, but surely there's something about eating foods that we're more suited to and avoiding processed foods and avoiding artificial foods and not being sedentary. So I was sitting at a desk for 16 hours a day. I was like, there's nothing helpful about that. You know, if I have some, you know, a good healthy approach to physical activity and I start eating a kind of species appropriate diet, as I was led to believe uh, by this kind of hypothesis, I'll see what happens. If I'm in a worse state, then I'll have to resort to the meds. But thank goodness, when I got retested, the doctor was like, you know, who have you been to? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what meds are you on? I actually haven't taken any meds. I've just changed my lifestyle. Um, I'm not really sure that's going to work. Let's revisit this. So literally, I got retested every three months. The results, you know, stayed the same, i.e. a significant improvement. And that doctor actually decided to look at lifestyle um, for as an intervention for, for more of his patients. So that's what, that's what eventually happened. He started looking at research. He started to, to see why there was such a beneficial impact on myself and decided this is definitely uh, something to pursue. And now there's another wise individual to accept that 
maybe there was a different way to approach it and seeing the results, the very concrete results for you. And I'm just really amazed that within three months, you actually were able to see these differences in your life. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't aware really as to what these numbers meant. You know, I had all this information presented to me and I was just being told, look, this is red, 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 you know, red flags. These are amber and you have a few greens. And so I didn't understand what the numbers meant. But when you're told on the one hand, you're really suffering from chronic disease and it's based on your lifestyle, you know, it made sense to me to think, well, maybe lifestyle could be the cure, you know, not just the prevention, but actually curative. And fortunately, my doctor was on board to say, I'm not just going to take your word for this. Let's revisit this. Let's retest. And I was of the mind that if there are any issues, I'm very happy to disregard lifestyle if things are getting worse or if there isn't any improvement. So, you know, initially I was kind of skeptical myself Um, (laughs) and I was surprised at how effective this was. And I still get regular tests every few years now. And, you know, doctors are always telling me, yep, keep going. Whatever you're doing, keep going. So at the moment, the numbers and how I feel are of utmost importance. And um, I'm able to avoid taking prescription medication, which was my initial concern. Like, you know, I just don't want to be taking these meds unless I really, really have to. And fortunately, just changing my lifestyle has meant I haven't had to succumb. And that's been 15 years, so that's definitely significant. (laughs) Yes, for sure, for sure. And I think, as you were describing, sitting at a desk, eating a poor diet, little sleep, there's probably too many of us who can relate to that all too well. For you, your change was actually so that you left that behind. It's not necessary that we would need to leave our work behind, but we do need to incorporate some changes you developed a really a new career path for yourself as a result of this, right, Daryl? Yes. So, I mean, I did stay within, I worked within investment banking. So that gives you an idea of how kind of supercharged that environment was. Um, And I did stay within banking for several years after transitioning and changing my lifestyle. Um, And the reason I actually left banking was because, you know, people started to ask me, you know, what have you been doing? What should I do? to improve my lifestyle. And I was like, I don't really feel qualified to answer those questions. So I had to cross train, you know, I became a certified nutritionist, I became a personal trainer, um, and I really started to investigate and research all of the aspects that affect us in the modern era, Um, you know, suffering from a lack of good quality sleep, you know, uh, suffering from chronic stress, poor diet choices, being sedentary, and so on. you know, how can I help others make a similar journey, take a similar path to myself in terms of improving their lifestyle? So I don't feel you have to become a, a monk or a nun, you know, and completely excommunicate yourself uh, from the 21st century. You know, I, I, I love technology. I want to be I want to be living in the now. But there are things from our, you know, our genetic heritage, from our ancestral heritage that we can take on board and improve and improve our health. So I think that's really important, you know, very simple uh, implementation of improving your diet, of, you know, getting a good night's sleep, sleeping at the right time, you know, not not reading, you know, uh, using your computer at one in the morning, 
um, and making decisions around, I, I don't need sleep is for wimps. You know, that sort of attitude to existing in the 21st century is part of the problem. You know, we need to consider what's valuable uh, about what's happened before. What lessons can we learn about the past and how can we make best of the present and the, the benefits that we have living in the 21st century? How can we combine best of the past with the best of the present to ensure a healthier future? Oh, yes. And what you have explained so many of the things that you have changed and that you're involved in. And we should mention oh, at least one of the websites where people can really uh, get further information about you. What would you suggest? <laughs> Yes, if you go along to primalplay.com, I basically talk, you'll find out a bit more about my journey. You'll find out uh, what I do for physical activity. Uh, that's kind of fun and engaging. And you'll also learn about some of the other measures that are important as well around you know, improving your diet and sleep and avoiding chronic stress and the like. So that's probably the best place to go uh, to find out a little bit more about how I live my lifestyle and how you can implement uh, some of that very, very simply and easily. And that's the thing that one of the pieces of your work, the primal play method that really jumped out at me, I guess the word play implies to have fun, that this is not something that's going to be drudgery. Yes. I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, one of the problems in relation to 21st century is that our environments are engineered to keep us sedentary. You know, you could stay at home, roll out of bed, work order food in, you know, get all the labor you want done from a mouse click and literally don't have to move. And so when you do think about movement, you know, you think about, okay, I'm going to join the gym. I'm going to do a boot camp class. And then you're thinking about it's painful. It's drudgery. It's like something that I, I want to avoid innately <laughs> um, for many. And so we would rather sit on the sofa than we would actually go out and do something, um, fairly kind of exhilarating in terms of physical activity. So I wanted to focus on a solution whereby I could make movement more fun and almost, almost take us back to when we were kids. You know, so many of us as children, we went out, out to play. We didn't go out to exercise. You know, our parents didn't say, hey, can you go outside and exercise for several hours until, it's, <laughs> until, you, until you're ready to come in for, for dinner? Uh, it was like, go out and play. And that play was a wide repertoire of different activities. You know, you might climb a tree, you'd go for a run, you'd sprint, you'd go on your bike, you'd play tag, you'd piggyback ride. I mean, when you think about the amount of activities you'd engage in, you know, something involving strength, balance, coordination, agility, and the fact that you weren't complaining at the end of the day going, oh my goodness, my muscles are sore. I'm not going to go outside and play tomorrow. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> play a chore. You know, <laughs> no. so, so as adults, I think we can remember some of that and we can incorporate some of that mindset into what we do as adults with physical activity. And that's, that's how Primal Play was born. It's, you know, how can I improve my fitness and my vitality and youthfulness without killing myself? Do you know what I mean? Yes. You know, without really painful drudgery, punitive measures, because I ate a cream cake last night. <laughs> You know, I'm going to have to punish myself in the gym or go for a five-mile run just so I can burn off calories. Actually, why don't I have some fun with physical activity, something that I enjoy, that I'm going to want to share with others? And that's what Primal Play is about, having fun with fitness. And there is that thread of wisdom 
showing itself once again. It's uh, It makes just so much sense. This has been so informative. Uh, we could really go on, but I think you've really given us such of the es- essential uh, parts of this, and we can learn more and, of course, avail ourselves of this wonderful Ancestral Health Symposium that's coming up uh, in early September, right? Yes, for sure. I'll be there. I'll be I'll be one of the speakers and also running workshops. Um, and it's really kind of the hub of finding out a lot more about this lifestyle uh, with some, you know, with an evidence basis, which I think is really important. You know, this isn't just a bunch of quacks um, who, who, who are living in a, you know, in a dream, in a dream world, it's actually trying to get science to back up and validate why some of these principles work. The fact that we're working more aligned with nature than trying to work against it. And I think that's, that's really important. Um, there's a really good evidence base. There's some really good science behind this, as well as those who have transformed their lives by adopting this approach. Well, your life certainly is evidence of this. And just the little that you've told to us about this this morning, Daryl, I feel gives us really important insights. I so appreciate your taking time with us to really provide this and uh, appreciate that you're making all these changes. It's been so wonderful to connect with you. Thank you greatly. Thanks very much, Kate. You've been a wonderful host and uh, thank you very much for your time.